Welcome back, baseball fans, to another edition of On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. We're in Season 2, and this is going to be Episode 4. Today, I'm joined by two voices. I'm joined back with Dominic. Hey, how's it going, everyone? And Jeff is back for some more. Yeah. <laughs> round 2. <laughs> Jeff is back for Round 2. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about Albert Pujols. He's nearing that 700 home run mark, and we're going to ask the guys what they think about weirdest of all time and maybe the opinion of his season so far. We're going to talk about the Mets. They pretty much did an historic first 10-game uh, run that it has in there. We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're going to talk about Alyssa Nakin coaching history uh, weeks ago. And so for that, we're going to talk the baseball standings, the NCAA baseball update. And then, as always, we're going to fish it off with one fact about new or didn't know. We're going to share it with you. So starting this off, talk about Albert Pujols after if you haven't been under a rock you realize that Albert Pujols did sign his final year contract he is retiring after this year a one-year 0.5 million dollar contract returned to the St. Louis Cardinals remember Dominic and I talked about this a couple of weeks ago that would be a great signing to do and with we're excited um, obviously in 2021 he played was in Dodgers he only hit 17 home runs and I believe 109 games and so it brought him at the end of the season last year home runs of 700 um, obviously the club is Barry Bonds, Hank Aaron and Bates. a little bit of facts about Pujols he is 42 and has not hit 20 plus home runs since 2009 so that's three years removed so that's not crazy you know length of time it's not like he hasn't hit more you know 15 years so you know it's going to happen but some of the baseball projections baseball reference or the few others that he could go more so but we'll talk about that um, he currently ranks fifth all time with 181 home runs, 15 behind Alex Rodriguez. He is third all time in RBIs with a 2150, 64 behind Babe Ruth, ninth in runs created, which 2240, and then 12th in hit, a little over 30. Three time MVP, 10 time All Star, six time Silver Slugger, two time World Series champion. About guy. A fact that I didn't find out about Pulse is that with 680th home run, he joins Ted Williams of the Boston Red Sox, Stan Musial of the Cardinals, Carl Yastrzemski of the Red Sox as well, and Willie McCovey is the only players to homer at the age of 21 or younger and the age of 42 or older. thought that was really interesting. That's awesome. That's very crazy. So, yeah, so. Uh, Dom, I'm going to start with you. Where do you think that he ranks with amongst some of the greatest of all time? And what do you think of his? I think, I mean, you, you, you have to put him top 10, top 15 all time. I mean, he's probably one of the greatest hitters that I've seen. You know, I'm 26. He's definitely one of the greatest hitters of baseball that I've been able to watch. I think he's a definite first ballot hall of famer. You know, you mentioned he's what 21 home runs away from joining the 700 club. I think that speaks for itself. And then you throw in all the other accolades that he has. Yeah, he's he's definitely top 10, top 15 all time. And it, it just feels right that he's back with, with the Cardinals. I think that's a perfect way to go out. And I think the rule change of adding in the um, DH to the National League really helps his case of joining the 700 club because he wasn't going to get, you know, everyday playtime at this age of the National League. But now that the Cardinals can just stash him as a DH, and let him bet and not really see the field. I think that definitely gives him an opportunity to reach that 700 club. And I think he can do it, but he's, he's off to a pretty good start this season. Yeah. I mean, adding that DA quadruple, the amount of games they play and yeah. um, being first or what have you, what do you think about a season so far? Pretty good. Um, he, I know he homered what 
last night or two nights ago. Um, I'm not sure of how many he has so far in the season, but I know he's been hitting pretty well. Um, his OPS is always pretty high. I, I think he'll keep it up. I think he won't have an amazing season, but I think he'll definitely get to the 700 marker, get damn near close to it. Yeah, I think through seven games he's played so far, he's averaging 304. He's had two home runs, uh, four RBIs, and his OPS is pointing uh, above yeah. his total average. So and what for, about- for a guy his age, you can't really ask any more. No, you know, no, so the fact that he's able to contribute that much this early in the season is amazing. Definitely. What about you, Jeff? Uh, what do you think? Where he, does he rank among all the greatest home run hitters of all time? Yeah, no, I, I 100% agree. It's hard to look at all the stats and say he's not in the top 20. Uh, unlike when ESPN did their top 100 and they decided to leave him out of the top 20. But uh, <laughs> yeah, that, that we could do a whole episode on that. That, that was just <laughs> great. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty rough. Yep, uh, 100% agree. Yep, the DH roll 100%. That's going to help out a lot. Uh, I think he could definitely get there, you know, whether it's just pinch hitting or just being the DH. Yep, he's already got two on the year. One thanks to my red legs. <laughs> Not <laughs> super thrilled to have him back in the division, but at the same time, you got to respect the greatness. <laughs> definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that he, he definitely has the potential to to go, I think, definitely, you know, past the 700. Um, you know, I, I, and to talk about that ESPN ranking, it was funny. I think a lot of it has to do with possibly, you know, he's not um, an electric individual on the field, but he, he doesn't garner a lot of some, you know, big names like Barry Bonds, Euster, or Alex Rodriguez. They they reveled in the fame and reveled in you know, mm-hmm. the attention that they got. And he's a little bit more subdued. And so I think that, that that affected where certain people put him because they they want somebody to hit, you know, electric and lights out and just be so amazing. And, and for that, uh, he I don't say he lacks that, but just uh, didn't put him on the list as high as some. Brought yeah. a little bit more pizzazz to it, like I said. you know, he But he has a little bit more grace. True. Yeah, it's like he was doing an interview and they were, they asked him, he said, you know, if I get 700, that's nice, but I'm here to be a part of the team. I'm here to try to make a run with these guys for the last time. And I'm just here to be a part of the team. I don't care about the numbers. Yeah. And then that's just it shows humility. And that's what yeah. you, you want to hear from somebody. I mean, probably maybe deep down inside, he's a little bit like, it'd be nice if I hit 700. But <laughs> yeah, but uh, definitely. All right. Moving on to our next topic, we're going to talk about the Mets. So the Mets have had the lowest ERA with the starting pitchers the 19th through uh, the first 10, really close to it. But through the first 10 games of the year, the Mets rotation did a 1.07 ERA. This is the best 10-game stretch to begin a season by any starting staff in baseball history since their earned run became statistic 19-13. So the Mets rotation so far has tossed one innings, allowed just six earned runs, while striking out 59 batters and in only 11 walks. The opposing offensive only hit three home runs and are hitting 158 off the staff as well. Obviously, without DeGrom being right now, but they've got, you know, Max Scherzer doing his dominant self. I think he's 2 0 uh, so far with the 270 ERA. And you got, uh, was it Tyler McGill and Chris mm-hmm. Bassett are throwing lights out? I think Bassett's like 0.75 ERA through 12. And- McGill has got what a 0.00 ERA through. What is your opinion on how amazing this is? And do you last throughout the season showing this fine dog? I'll start with you, Jim. Yeah, no, I think they uh they definitely have the potential to keep it going all season. Uh, you know, especially with passes, this one lights out. What a deal from the A's and uh, 
it's funny that Scherzer actually currently has the higher ERA of all the starting pitchers. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, they said that they're right now they're just feeding off of each other's energy. You know, they're gaining that confidence, so they're going out there. They're knowing that they're going to play well and pitch well. So I think, and then obviously you've got Degrom coming back later. So definitely seems like they can keep it going. All what about you, Dom? What do you think? I think it one. It's absolutely amazing. I, as a former pitcher, I love seeing dominant pitching staffs, and just being able to watch this is just unbelievable. Um, my biggest question is, what are they going to do when Degrom does come back? Who who loses their spot in this rotation? Because I, I think they all deserve to be in there right now. Do you go to a six man rotation then? I don't know, but I just love watching it. I think it's incredible. The fact that. Well, one, I'm, I'm really surprised by Carrasco and how well he's pitching. Um, I was kind of sad to see him go as a Guardians fan. Sorry, I almost said Indians. Um, you know, it, it sucked to see him go just because he kind of was the heart and soul of that pitching staff for a while. Um, so I'm not surprised that he's, you know, a big locker room presence, but I didn't know how much he still had left in the tank uh, to perform on the field. I knew Scherzer was going to do well. Um, I'd never really expected Bassett to pitch as well as he has been. I knew he was a good pitcher, but I didn't never saw this out of him. But I can't wait to see this rotation when DeGrom comes back. And for my fantasy team, I hope he comes back soon. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the six-man rotation because that, that you know puts an extra day of rest, and, and that can either really, really help or really, really hurt. And, yeah, but I just don't know who, who loses their spot and goes to the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, either way they lose – or either way they win. I'm sorry, it's the better – you know, whoever yeah. they lose, they, they win no you know, I remember the last episode, Jeff and I talked about, you know, we ranked our, our, our top uh, rotations. And I put the Mets at number one, and it seems like it's paying off. <laughs> I know the Brewers are not paying off for my number one. <laughs> yeah, that's a little surprising. Yeah, I definitely am. I'm super shocked at, at how well they're doing that we talked about the injury, how injury was going into the start of the season. That We didn't know what to expect. Uh, obviously, on paper, they looked amazing. Ailments, a lot of question marks. Question marks are being replaced with exclamation marks, for lack of a better term. They're, they're yeah. playing lights out, pitching perfectly. Like Jeff said, they're they're just feeding off me. Jordan, I think that, and I think that we you know, depending on mid-year, if we do uh, our World Series prediction, be at that top of that list. Yeah. I, well, I think knowing the injury history of the Grom going out and getting Bassett and going out and getting um, Scherzer was just genius, because you knew at some point the Grom was going to see some time on the IL. So them being able to add more depth and pitch as well as they have been was just a genius move. And then I think there's a lot of – there's not really any stress with them when they're pitching because they know how good the offense is behind them. So if they were to go out and, and make a mistake, they know the offense is going to go out and get two runs to make sure that they have the lead. So I, just adding that depth and not having any stress of knowing that if I make one mistake, I'm done. I think that definitely helps. Yeah, I mean, that's something that we talk about is – I mean, it – Jeff, if I remember correctly, we talked to the, he, he hit uh, Lindor hit two home runs um, from different sides of the plate uh, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I mean that that's just scary that you pitch against a guy and be like, oh, I'm just gonna either side. It doesn't matter. I'm gonna. Be. All right, moving forward, uh, we're gonna talk about Alyssa Nagin. If you guys did Major League Baseball history, the first on field, so uh, a week and a half ago, Tuesday night, I believe, uh, the San Francisco Giants coach Alyssa Nagin, KKE. Became the only woman in Major League Baseball history to coach on field during 
Nakin, 31 years of age, took over the first base coach in, uh, at San Francisco's Oracle Park after Ron Richardson was ejected. They were playing the Padres. So it was really cool. I think uh, first baseman Eric Hosmer came with her hands. That crowd went crazy, gave her stand. I think some of them knew and some of them got it that that was a big deal that she when she got back to the uh, Kirk Casale. How do you say that? Casale. Casale. Kirk Casale gave her a hug when she came back at the bottom of the end. Fortunately, the Padres did beat them 13-2. to She became an intern for the organization, coach, and I believe she came out to say that it was my job to honor those who helped me get here. She told MLB.com after getting excited now that girls need a job on the field. So, Dom, I'm going to start with you. What do you think of this? How monumental is it? And what do you think it's good for baseball moving? I think it's amazing for the game. I think it's – well, you mentioned it's historic. I think it's it's huge, and I think it's great for the game. Because um, baseball's a sport where you know anyone can play, anyone can coach. You know, it doesn't really matter, you know, what your gender is or you know what your race is. If you know baseball and you can play it, you can you know make a living on it. Or if you're a great coach, you know, then you can still make a living in this sport. And it, it just shows that anyone could make it at any level of baseball. I think it's great. What do you think it's going to do forward? Like, do you think you're going to see with baseball them enter? I think it'll, it'll be similar, I think, to the NBA. Uh, we've seen over the last couple of years, you've seen some um, women assistant coaches or um, some coaches on, on some other staffs. I think you'll you'll definitely start to see that more um, in the dugout, maybe a third base, first base coach. You know, unfortunately, I think it'll be, you know, slowly kind of rolled out there. I don't think every organization is just going to go hire, you know, 20, 30 women to be a part of, a part of their organization or coaching, coaching staff, but... I do see this becoming more of a trend, and I think it's well-deserved. Awesome. All right, Jeff, what about you? Yeah, no, it's definitely good for the sport. Uh, anytime you're having some diversity added in there, it definitely helps out. And you're seeing it across the league, especially with the Yankees. Uh, they hired a female manager three months ago for their single-A Tampa team. So it's definitely starting to see the wheels in motion. So anytime a little girl's maybe watch, watching a game with their dad, she goes, is that a – female coach right there you mm-hmm. know something to get you into the game i think the mlb has definitely got a hard time attracting fans in the first place so you definitely yeah. change your horizons there yeah i mean it's, it's funny you mentioned that that uh, nakin's night came just i think a, a few days after uh was it rachel volkovec uh made her debut as the first female in new york tampa uh, tarpons so <laughs> So that was really cool that we're already seeing that trend that in, even in the minor leagues. Yeah. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, the Marlins have a woman GM, right? Then I think Derek Jeter made that move a couple – was it before last season or before uh, 2020? I mean, I'd have to look that up. That's I've, I've forgotten her true. name, but I, I do remember um, seeing a couple interviews with her. Well, yeah, that's definitely, uh, you know, a, a trend with that move for it. And it's actually a bit of a trend following. Keep some tabs on that, and the, the women are starting to be added to the so moving on to our standings rundown, we're going to start with the American League East. Uh, we got the New York Yankees at ten and six, uh, tied with the Toronto Blue Jays, also at ten and six. We got the Tampa Bay Rays at nine and seven, Boston Red Sox seven and nine, and the Baltimore Orioles at the cellar with six and seven record. American League Central has Minnesota uh, five hundred baseball at eight and eight, with the Cleveland Guardians seven and eight. Uh, White Sox six and nine, Detroit six and nine, and City Royals five and nine. And the American League West shows Seattle leading it off 
at six record. You got the Angels at nine and seven and eight. You've got Houston at seven and eight. Texas at five and ten. Moving on to the National League, New York Mets twelve and five. We got Miami at seven and Atlanta at seven and ten. We got the Phillies at six and nine. Ten National at six and twelve. Moving on to the National League Central, St. Louis nine and five. Brewers nine and six. We've got Pittsburgh Pirates eight and eight. Chicago Cubs seven and nine. And Cincinnati three and thirteen record. Thanks. National League West shows the those Dodgers at eleven and four. And the San Francisco Giants, 7 and 5, just shows their comments throughout what they've been doing. The trend from last year is happening this year, too. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, the Colorado Rockies are holding tight uh, at 10 and 5 record. Padres, 10 and 7. And Diamondbacks are still. Looks like the National League West, a pretty stacked uh, group of teams right there that we will definitely pay attention on to our next standings rundown. We're going to talk about the NCAA Division One standings. Tennessee is number one with a 33 and three record. They stay number one. Oregon State, 27 and seven record. They move up one spot from three previous. Oklahoma State, number three with a 26 and 10 record. Fifth, last time we did this. Uh, Arkansas is fourth with a 28 and seven record. They were sixth. Miami drops to five with a 28 and eight record. They were two previously. Yeah, Southern Miss, Sixth with a 27 and eight record, they were 11th previous. Yeah, Stanford and Virginia Tech with seven and eight. Stanford 10 and 11, they were 22nd previously, and then Virginia Tech 21st. So they jumped off definitely. And then Texas Tech has definitely gone on a little bit of a slide. They moved down to ninth and 12 record. They were previously ranked fourth in Texas 10th, 26th, and 12 record. They were previously ranked. So what do you guys think of the standings for Major League Baseball so far? What are the surprises? What are some of the surprises? And what are – I'll start with you on this, Jeff. Well, can't spell disappointment without Cincinnati right now. Uh, I mean, the worst record in the entire league right now, you'd think it would be Baltimore or Pittsburgh. But, I mean, it's about the offseason that we expected. So yeah. letting one of your all-stars walk away, trading away – another all-star and a fan favorite to Seattle, lose some of your pitchers, uh, give up Wade Miley to the Cubs for nothing. Uh, I mean, it's just a pretty ugly situation right there. The fans are upset uh, this weekend against the Cardinals. Uh, there was actually a guy who sold or bought a plane to fly over the stadium that said, uh, sell the team, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, fans definitely upset. The play is not there at all, but there at all. So, yeah. Right now. Yeah, I mean it's funny you say that the fans aren't there. It, um, I've watched it in the Sports Center that the fans in Oakland are completely uh, boycotting the dismal attendance they've had. In a lot of it has to do with the ownership want to get good talent on the field, and yep. it, it becomes after decades, you know, watching your team be in the cellar all the time. It's just point where like, well, you know what? We're we love the A's, but we're we're not going to support you. We're not going to pay the. the Ticket prices just so that you can squander that money. So, right. What about you, Dom? Any surprises? Any major league baseball standings? Yeah, I got a few. I've been really surprised with the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, I wasn't really expecting much out of them this year, and the fact that they're eight and eight and playing pretty competent, except for you know the game yesterday, losing twenty-four nothing to the Cubs. But 
that game aside, they've been playing pretty well. Um, a lot of the young talent that they've been trading for is starting to really show some promise. And I think Cabrian Hayes is really rebounding nicely after a pretty poor season last year. Um, the Guardians are playing a lot better than I thought they would. We knew that pitching was going to be their strength, but you know, up until this last weekend, they were pretty much first across the board in terms of every metric when it came to offense. Um, that's something that I hope they can keep up, but I've been pleasantly surprised with them. Um, in terms of disappointments, I mean, there's really no team that's kind of been disappointing to me. All the teams at the bottom are pretty much who I expected to be. Um, I knew the Reds were going to be pretty bad, but I didn't expect them to be what three and thirteen bad. Um, so I guess they're kind of a disappointment. But other than that, I would maybe say the Phillies. I thought they'd be a little bit better at this point in the season with you know Bryce Harper and everyone else that they brought in um, this uh, off season. I thought they'd be a little bit better at this point, but it's still a young season, so who knows. Yeah, yeah, that definitely the, the, the Phillies was talking about that they're, you know, adding Schwarber and Bryce Harper is, is I expected a lot more out of them. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, again, to curtail on exactly what you said about the Guardians, I did not expect them 17, 15, 10 run was definitely that. The Stephen Kwan effect. Yes, definitely. <laughs> what do you know, having trash thrown at him? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, well, that, that's a rant for a different episode. Well, no, no right. actually, let's talk about it. So, so what happened with Kwan the other day there, Dom? Um, so yesterday, um, Indians, Guardians in New York playing the Yankees. Um, to the Yankees' credit, they had a, a walk-off win. But on that play, Stephen Kwan pretty much ran face-first into the wall, um, didn't catch the ball, so the Yankees scored, won the game. Um, he was laying there injured, and Yankees fans started throwing garbage from the stands at Oscar Mercado, Stephen Kwan, and um, – Miles Straw, our center fielder, and Miles Straw was climbing up the fence. It looked like he was ready to go into the stands. Um, benches cleared. You know, Yankees players came out and you know told the fans to stop, and everyone left the field. And I think there was added security for today's game, but you know, pretty classless showing by the Yankees fans. But yeah, I mean, I, I kind of what I expect. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to say that, that that's what you should expect, but that's what you, no professional yeah. sports athlete should ha- should have to deal with with any of that type of you know, racism and possibly bodily harm or bodily injury with throwing a beer bottles and, and baseballs or whatever they were throwing on there. And then that's that's true in any. Yeah, um, I don't know if you've been watching the the Celtics and the Nets, but you know Kyrie Irving hasn't had a lot of favorable things to say about the Celtics. And you know at first I was like, you know what, he's just being a poor sport. But then you know he kind of comes out and says some of the stuff that, that have been said to him while he's on the, the field or on the court and you know it's pretty despicable stuff that people are saying and that's yeah. just that's just sad that us as sports fans cannot be uh, civil and, and just enjoy the sport it is regardless of our team and obviously in that situation with the yankees the team won so why would right. you be ecstatic and be like you know oh you can say something like boohoo sorry you lost but to to stoop to that level shouldn't yeah. be a thing and i again going back to the nba i like how last season um, they started really removing fans from these stadiums and from these arenas and putting permanent bands on and, and yep. that's something that i don't know how how deep it got to they need to be, remove these fans guess what you're never going to come to a, a game in Yankee stadium again because you were just a piece of crap and you treated our players regardless of what team they're a baseball player they work for major league baseball they are teammates to a degree when it comes to their both professional 
mm-hmm. baseball, and they should be treated just the same regard. I, I definitely know. Thanks for bringing that up, Don. That bothered me. Right, moving forward to our topic of the evening, it's the one fact about baseball that you may or may not know. I'm going to share it. I'm going to start off with Jeff. What do you got? Where are you going to stump us? All right, let's see. So I'm going to take us to Baltimore at Camden Yards. So super iconic in right field, the B&O warehouse. Uh, there is actually only one player who has ever actually hit the warehouse with a ball. Really? Uh, uh, how long has mm. the stadium been there? Oh, 92. Gosh. I think 92. And one player. One player. It's probably someone that I wouldn't expect. Uh, I'm going to take us On Baltimore or not on Baltimore? Not on Baltimore. Okay, well, never mind. I was going to be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say Mark McGuire. Nope. Uh, I'm going to say David Ortiz. Nope. Although Ortiz did uh, did say in batting practice one time he hit it, but <laughs> okay. I don't think that could quite count. It was do actually do, do I get half credit? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so who was King it? Griffey Jr. in 1993 actually hit it in the home run derby. So it wasn't even in a regulation uh, game. So no players actually hit the warehouse in a actual regulation game. That's crazy. Uh, I mean, I just, it, it, it's such an iconic stadium and to see that warehouse, you know, I'm just remembering Cal Ripken Jr. Just, you know, all those, those times and the banners being dropped, you know, those numbers being ticked away and stuff like that. And to know that nobody really in, yeah. in a regular season hit that, that, that's just very hard to believe. I, I, I don't know if I <laughs> believe you, I'm going to have to look that up myself. Uh, the estimated <laughs> measurement of that was 465 feet. Wow. We know that, that they can hit that far. I mean, it's been balls have been clocked that far. So ah, that's that's okay. All right, that's that's a good one, Jeff. That's a good one. All right, Dom, we're gonna uh, go to you next. What do you got? All right, so change it up a little bit from what we talked about off camera, but so we know baseball is an Olympic sport. Um, in 1992, it became an Olympic sport, but it wasn't the first time it was featured in the Olympics. When was the first time that baseball appeared in the Summer Olympics? I'm going to go out and say something like night. Pretty damn close. Pretty damn close. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> okay, what do you got, Jeff? <laughs> oh, man, that's tough. Um, if that's close, I go about 1915. Correct answer is 1904. Wow. Yeah, 1904 was the first time that baseball was featured in the Summer Olympics. Uh, did it That's, say how long it lasted or then when was it removed? Um, the website doesn't list anything of when it got you know removed, but I can definitely look that up. When that was removed and how long? 1905, you said, or four? 1904. A lot, a lot of baseball a lot, a lot back then. It was a different game than the <laughs> Olympics, that's for sure. All right, so uh, I, I said we'd stick with the trend, so I'm going to stick with the, the female trend that we talked about a little bit. So how many, if any, females have ever been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame? Five. Okay, Dom's got five. Jeff, what do you? Oh, I, yeah, I'm not sure on that one. Um, I can only think of maybe two. Right, Jeff definitely got close. There's actually only been one female wow. who has ever uh, been inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Is American sports executive Effa Louise Manley. Uh, she was born in uh, March 27th, 1897. In uh, 1981, she was an American sports executive. She co-owned the Newark Eagles baseball franchise in the Negro League um, with her husband, Abe Manley. Throughout the time, she served as the team's business manager and fulfilled many of their husbands' duties as treasurer, 
2006, she postmortemly, or post, how do you say that? You had it right. Okay, uh, became the first and only to date woman inducted into baseball, uh, National Baseball Hall of Fame, chosen by this. And so, you know, to kind of, to, I, I kind of picked that because we're talking about, you know, Alyssa and all that, that, that I just think that this opens that trend that, you know, maybe in 50, wow. 60 years, um, you might see one of these women become, you know, inducted in Baseball Hall of Fame as a coach, some capacity set up, and I'm really excited. Absolutely. All right, that does it for this edition of On Deck presented by Deep Dive Sports. Thanks again, Dom and Jeff, for joining me today. Again, make sure you download us and listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Music, anywhere you get your podcast. that's where we will be. And until next time. Baseball is America's pastime. We hope that you enjoyed this episode of On Deck as much as we have. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at deep.dive.sports. Or download us through Amazon, Apple, or wherever else you get your podcasts. As always, we are On Deck, presented by Deep Dive Sports. Until next time.